The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. A couple weeks ago, uh, I got on Facebook one, uh, I guess it was maybe three or four weeks ago, but I got on Facebook one evening and I just saw that different people posted. The first, I saw a beautiful rainbow somebody posted. And then, you know, I just scrolled on past and uh, saw the next one, and it was a rainbow again. Saw the next one, and I thought, what in the world? Uh, I, I didn't even know. I, then I looked at who was posting it, and it was people from the area. So I thought, hey, I'm missing something. So, of course, I got up. By that time, it was too late. The rainbow was gone. You ever notice, though, rainbow is one of those things that, you know, if you say, hey, look at the rainbow, pretty much everybody stops and wants to see the rainbow. We used to take the kids out every fall and try to get them excited about the fall colors, okay? And they were like, Dad, they're leaves. Get over it. Uh, you know, my, my wife and I would be like, oh, look at that tree. Yeah, okay. Uh, when are we going to stop and pick pumpkins or something like, like that? Because they couldn't get excited about the leaves. But rainbows, come on, you, got, you get excited about rainbows, right? God, have you seen in Scripture that God reinforces his promises with visual image. Now, rainbow is a perfect picture of that. You might remember back in Genesis, God said, I will never again destroy the whole earth with a flood. I want to give you a visual image of that. I want to give you something that reminds you of that. I'm going to give you a rainbow. But throughout Scripture, God does a lot for us slow learners. You know, when somebody says, do I have to draw you a picture? God does a lot of picture drawing uh, throughout the Bible. Uh, there are, of course, Jesus taught in parables. He taught in stories that painted pictures for us. Uh, in the Old Testament, we have what are called types of Christ, different things that give us a picture of Jesus Christ. For example, the ark gives us a picture of Jesus Christ. The whole life of Joseph gives us a picture of Jesus Christ. Uh, the ram that was caught in the thicket and, and is the substitutionary death gives us a picture of Jesus Christ. God does a lot to give us different pictures. Well, when we get into the New Testament, there's a couple of ordinances, we call them, that God has given the church to do. One of them, to give us a picture of something, is baptism. And uh, if you have not been here when we've had it, this last panel opens up, and we have a little tank there for baptism. Uh, and we understand that baptism does not wash away sin. But what baptism does do is it illustrates that our sin has been washed away. Okay, we don't get baptized so that God will give us that forgiveness, but we do get baptized to show the world that God has given us that, for, that forgiveness, that he has washed away our sin. By the way, throughout our study in the book of Acts, which we'll get back to next week, uh, we've talked a lot about that whole idea that um, when somebody trusted the Lord, they followed him in baptism. So if you are wondering, is that something that I should consider? No, that's something you should do. Uh, if you have followed the Lord as a believer, uh, putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you should be baptized in following him. That gives us, again, not because you have to, uh, to add to your salvation in any way. That work was all done by Jesus Christ. But to testify and to show folks what, to give us that picture, God gave us baptism. Now, the other uh, ordinance that we have as a church that we practice, we're going to do today. Uh, you might call it the Lord's Supper. You might call it communion. You might come from a background where you're, is called the Eucharist, uh, whatever like that. But we are going to go ahead and go through that. Now, once again, this is not something that gets added to the work of Christ. This, when we do this today, this does not atone for our sin. 
but it does give us a picture of the work that Jesus has done. It does illustrate that we now have life that flows through his death. I'm going to keep with that phrase over and over again that we, that we get that today. Our life flows through his death. Nice work of picking out the song. We were, we were mind-melting from miles away there because that, that's a perfect picture. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and really focus on the Lord's Supper today. But I want to just explore, you know, why is it that we observe the Lord's Supper? Because as I said, this is not something that gets, you know, somehow added to salvation. This is not something that is necessary to add to the atonement of Christ. That work is finished. That is done. There are three words you might want to keep in mind. They all start with the word R. Uh, we, want you, uh, we do it to remember. We're going to focus on that. We do that to remember. We do it to refocus. And we also do it to kind of reinforce uh, this idea. Um, now, again... Not that, not that this is part of the atonement, that price is paid in full, but we want to remember what it is that Jesus has done. Why do we do this? Very simply, because we forget. Okay? Why, as our nature is to forget. I just uh, saw a note this morning that, you know, pointed out that 9-11 is coming up this week, and I thought, oh, man, I forgot about that. You know, that was the thing we said, we'll always remember. But right away, I kind of needed that reminder. There are a lot of different things to which, you know, I just need reminders. And God uses this as one of those things that we remember that Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross, that, that we look back to, to that. And do we really need to do this? Well, let me ask you this. How many times this week have you stopped and remembered the cross of Jesus Christ? How many times have you stopped in your own prayer life and, and thanked the Lord for what he did for us on Calvary? And, uh, you know, that's probably very telling because, again, we wander away. So we need to remember. Uh, and uh, so that is what we're going to focus on today, the why of it. We're going to read uh, the, a passage from uh, Corinthians chapter 11, uh, beginning in verse number 23. Um, I feel like in some ways this will be a little bit more uh, teachy, worshipy type message than preachy. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I'm excited to be able to do that and just talk to us that we refocus uh, and get our attention on uh, what it is that we're doing. I, what, what I've asked the Lord to help me do is to help you enter into the importance of what we're doing today. Okay, I, I, want, to, I want to try to guide us into the importance of the Lord's Supper as we do this. So, uh, let's begin by reading here. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, and yet this might be familiar to you if you have observed the Lord's Supper before. We a lot of times quote these verses, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the scripture says, In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And we're going to go back through and analyze that a little bit and look through. But I, I'm, I want to encourage you as we do this, we're going to look at five things, or we're going to take five looks, five different directions. The first two we'll spend a decent amount of time on. The last three are pretty quick. But the first look that we want to have, again, is this look back. Now, uh, I don't want you to do this now, but I'll, I'll give you a tutorial on these little cups that you have. Uh, there is a, on top of the thing that looks like you'd peel, there is a clear see-through layer, okay? And... Uh, 
I should have known. When I talk, I get a little nervous. My hands get sweaty. I may not be able to open the communion pack. Oh, there we go. But if you peel that back, there's a little wafer there. And then you peel back again, of course, and you have the juice. Now, I wanted to mention, and uh, this isn't like preaching or saying that something is wrong, but when Jesus gave the Lord's Supper, he did the two elements distinctly separate. Okay, he did the bread, and then it says later after supper, he did the cup. Now, that is not to say that uh, you may have been in a church where they'll take a piece of bread and dip it in the juice or whatever like that, and they take it together. That is not to say, I'm not saying like, well, that is wrong. You should never do that. That's sinful or anything like that. Because the truth is, if you want to go that far, then I probably shouldn't be serving the two elements together, even like we are today. But I do want to call your attention to the fact that they are separate. There are two different things that we're remembering. First of all, in the bread, we are remembering the perfect life that Jesus lived and laid down for us. Okay, we are focusing on the perfect life, the perfect obedience in his life. And then when we take the cup, uh, the blood, of course, in, in a body represents life. But when separated from the body, it represents death. So we remember uh, that he laid down that life or that he, he died. So we remember two things. We remember the perfect life that he lived. And then we remember his sacrificial death. We, uh, we come to him at communion understanding that in him we find what we could not find on our own. So if you come and you think about communion and you think about this whole idea of what we're doing, and even as we talk about it more, you think, you know what, I'm not worthy to do this. I would simply say, join the club. I look that exact same way, and some of you have been here when this happens. You know, there's this upfront preacher guy in me that I hate, but he sneaks in all the time. And sometimes at the end of communion, I real quick go into mouthing a prayer, saying a prayer without even thinking about what I'm doing. And every time I do that after the Lord's Supper, I begin by saying, thank you, Lord. I always think, okay, stop and think about what you just said there. I mean, because I, you, you know, you say the word thank you to somebody who holds the door for you. You say the word thank you to somebody who brings you a drink. It seems like we need a stronger word. It seems like we need something more than that. And I think that every time, you know, I just kind of spilled out, oh, thanks, Lord, for dying on the cross, you know, almost like a matter of fact. And every time God's Spirit kind of grabs a hold of my heart and says, slow up here a little bit, buddy, and think about what you're praying. Think about what you are saying when you are thinking about the fact that God lived a perfect life, laid down that perfect life as a substitute for you. So even, but even though I feel unworthy as I approach the Lord's Supper, understand this, my worthiness, if you want to say it like that, has never been based on my goodness. And it is not based on my progress in the Christian life. What it is based on is his perfection. Can I spit that out again? Is not based on the progress that I'm making in my Christian life. It is based on the perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ, on the fact that he completely paid the price. Not on my works, but on the work that he has already completed. So you have the gospel in words that is presented. Jesus said, I want to reinforce this with a little picture. Here you go. Here's the picture that reinforces the gospel. That God came in human form in a body. Okay, that God lived a perfect life in that body, laid down that perfect life. In fact, made it so that his, and this is mind-boggling, but he made it so that his perfection becomes ours. Did you know that? That he cleans us up in that way, and he says, I'm going to impute to you my righteousness, and I'm going to take that sin. Okay, and, uh, and he, he lived that perfect life and laid down his life in obedience 
uh, so that we can be saved. This life of perfect obedience was laid down for us. He had no sin of his own, so what did he do? He chose to bore our sin. That's another phrase you want to hold on to. He had no sin of his own, so he chose to bore, bear our sin. All right, so the first look that we have is back. And I want you to think again in terms of the body and the blood. The second look uh, that we want to do is, uh, man, we were clicking so well. What happened here? The second look that we want to uh, have is we want to look. Help me out here, guys. There we go. Uh, look in as we examine. In fact, if you look down past the passage that I read, verse 28 tells us, uh, let us examine ourselves. It uses the phrase in there. We'll get back to a second. It says to make sure that you are worthy. And we'll come back to that in just a second here. But, you know, many times, and even with some of you that I know, you have a tendency to over-examine yourself. You're very hard on yourself. You're always analyzing yourself. You're very critical of yourself. Today, I'm going to invite you that if there's ever one time when you want to take a moment and examine yourself, this is it. As we come to the table, the table is a place that invites uh, self-examination. It is, it is the place where we want to be introspective. We want to look at ourselves as, as we come to the table of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we come to the supper to which he has invited us. But, again, I want us to realize that I am not suggesting when I say that we need to be worthy when we come, that we are going to measure up to his standard. Okay, I am never going to be worthy in that way. I am not now, nor will I ever be on this earth sinless. I will never be that place. Again, it has to do with my trusting in his perfect work. So the questions that you need to ask yourself, as we examine ourselves, first of all is this, am I believing? Okay, first question is that, am I believing in him? Have I come? There, there's a story in the Bible about a guy. He's known as the Doubting Thomas. He's struggling with his faith. And, uh, but he, he, even in his doubting, he expresses, my Lord and my God. Okay? I'm not saying that you will have a perfect faith. And you may look and say, man, sometimes I have some doubts. Sometimes I have some wonders. Uh, wondering. But if you can be like Thomas and in the midst of those doubts with the proclamation, my Lord and my God. Because the important thing is not the amount of our faith, but the object of our faith. In other words, that our faith is placed in Jesus Christ and his finished work. That's what we're counting in. We're not counting on, oh man, I hope I believe enough. The, the important thing is in whom I believe. I believe in Jesus Christ. So the first question I ask, uh, I, I encourage you to ask yourself today is, am I believing? Am I believing in Jesus Christ as my Savior? The second question is, am I repenting? Uh, many times the scriptural message that was preached is summarized is repent and believe. And I think that's the second question that we need to ask ourselves. Basically, by, by that I mean, do, are we aware of the fact that song that we sang that uh, without him, I'm nothing, I need him. Without you, I'm not enough in myself, I need, I need him. That's the cry of our heart when we say, I realize, you see, this, this table is not open uh, for the self-righteous. For those who want to come to church and declare how holy they are. This table is open for those who want to realize that without him, I am not good enough. So the question is, are you ready to, are you willing to confess and turn from your sin? Now listen, I understand that, I'm, and I'm not suggesting that you will never struggle with sin again, or that you would never, but I'm, I'm, I am asking the question, are you willing to turn from it? 
And in fact, I would even say that if you come and you think to yourself, hey, I know of this sin in my life. I know this path. I know it's not right. I have no interest in changing. I would recommend very strongly that you not take the Lord's Supper today. Very, very simply. Because the first question, am I believing? Do I have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Am I trusting what this represents? That that body, uh, there was a perfect life lived for me. And in that blood, there was a perfect sacrifice that atoned for my sin. I'm trusting in that. Am I believing is the first question. And the second question is, am I repenting? Am I realizing that without him, I'm not good enough? Okay? So there's a, there's a quick little look uh, backwards and then a quick little look inward. And the third look that we want to take is we want to look up to him. Understanding that, uh, you know, we call this the Lord's Supper. He invites us to come and dine with Him. He invites us to sit down with Him, to fellowship with Him. When we think of a meal, we think of, hey, that's, that, you know, the breaking of the bread. This is how I spend time with somebody. This is how I get to know somebody. And may we also look to the importance of our relationship with Him. That just as food is our sustainer of, of physical energy, so our relationship with Him is our sustainer of all of life and the spiritual energy that we need. I mentioned in the little midweek momentum this week that Jesus Christ was known for the fact that he would go off while on this earth. He would go off and spend time alone with the Father. I mentioned the one verse that uses the phrase that he did it consistently, that he did it often, that he did it uh, even, you know, frequently, that he made time to go off and be by himself. I was thinking about this even as I walked this morning. Our dog is um, nine and a half. That's not that old in doggy years. Uh, but, uh, but our last dog that was a Sheltie only lived ten and a half, so she could be on the way out. I'm just saying. I'm on bad news, but uh, I'm just saying the dog could be on the way out. But I thought, you know, I'm going to need to do something about that because my routine every morning I get up. I, <laughs> I'm sorry. Rambling here for just a second. Marissa, you put that thing on there a few weeks ago. The little survey question was, are you a morning person or an evening person? I put neither. Uh, I used to be a morning person. Not anymore. I'm, I, now I get up and I just kind of try to figure out who I am. Anybody else? <laughs> uh, maybe I, I don't drink coffee. Maybe I need to start uh, because I, sometimes I just sit there and say, okay, day, week, where? Where am I? Okay. Married? Yes. Got that. I uh, try to figure it out. But as I'm sitting there every morning, this dog comes over and stares at you. And if you don't move fast enough, the dog starts to bark, which doesn't make the wife super happy. So it's, it's time to get up and grab the leash and go for a walk. Uh, so, uh, so anyway, uh, I, he I head up the little hill to start off with, uh, with the dog on the walk. And there's a place each day where I remember, okay, it's time to start to pray. And uh, so when the dog passed away, somebody else is going to have to drag me around the block in the morning. Because if you're like me, I can forget to pray. I can forget my need of the Lord. You say, why isn't that just so much part of your DNA in your life? You would think so, wouldn't you? Uh, but if I confess to you honestly, it's like every morning I need that reminder again. And I'm going to be honest with you about something else, too. Sometimes when that routine isn't there, I'll get to noon and say, I haven't stopped and prayed. Uh, you know, I forget how much I need him, how much I need that fellowship with the Father. And can I admonish you? Can I plead with you? Maybe if you want to use this phrase, now more than ever. That's our new phrase. We're moving on from unprecedented times to now more than ever. Uh, but can I say how much we need this relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, how much we need our daily time alone with him. You are invited to commune with him. You are invited to sit with him, sup with him, spend time with the Father. So we look up. A fourth place that I want you to look, I want you to look around. Guys, if you help me out there, I'm, I'm not clicking anymore. <laughs> Some of you have been saying, you haven't been clicking for a long time. But uh, anyway, I do want you to look around uh, in this sense at the family of God. And, and once again, 
Um, I'm not preaching against anything here, but I just kind of want to talk to you about this for a second. When the Bible talks about communion, it is something that is done in an assembly of believers. It is done when we come together. Now, I say that um, when I first came to church here, we had a fellow, some of you remember George Muth, uh, that was pretty much shut in. Uh, So uh, I got the message, hey, George likes you to come over once a month and have communion with him. So I had this little kit that I'd pack up and take it over there, and we'd do communion, and we'd sit around and talk, but we didn't know each other very well. So after a while, we figured that we need something else, and he said, I could teach you to play cribbage. <laughs> so for probably two and a half years, I would go over once a month, and we'd have communion and cribbage. Uh, and um, he, he was very patient with me as a, as a teacher of cribbage, but I uh, learned how to play that a little bit. But in that situation, you know, it's just he and I had communion together. Back on Good Friday this year, I thought, man, I miss having communion on Good Friday. So we tried to pass out uh, the elements that you could have it with your family. Again, I'm not really saying that that is like wrong. And uh, if you're watching at home, you decide, hey, I want to do that as a family. I'm not discouraging that at all. I want to take the time and observe the Lord's Supper. I'm not discouraging that. However, I will say, I think primarily what the scripture teaches is this is something to do in the assembly of believers, that we come together uh that way it's it's what it it really if you can visualize it like this this is the thanksgiving meal okay grandparents along with me you you know how how incredible that is you know how much you just love to look around see the family gather together uh god says "I, i want my family gathered together for this Okay, yeah, I want you fellowshipping with me i want you gathered together with other believers as we think think about this okay so hopefully you can see that god wants us to look back God wants us to look in. God wants us to look up. God wants us to look around. And lastly, and you find this in the last verse we read this morning, but God wants us to look forward to the day when he returns. This is kind of a weird thing I'm going to say, too. And I'm going to go over some things in a minute. But by the way, these little baggies at the end of the pew, that's the Lord's Supper cups, in case you wonder. Um, I was in uh, bus meetings up at Eversburg this week, and they used this phrase. They said, uh, I know some of these things don't make sense, but we're trying. <laughs> if you look at the baggies and think, I don't understand why he did that. I'm trying. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to navigate the times. I just thought I wanted to leave the cups here so you didn't have to get up and congregate together. I didn't want them passed out to you the way, the way we might have done. And I didn't want to just leave the cups on the ground. So I put them in little baggies. It looks kind of weird that you have little baggies here, and people can tell me about it later. Don't do that again. But, uh, but uh, th- those, those elements are there, uh, and I'm going to explain a little bit more as, as we get ready to take it. But I do want to uh, say this. If you are a guest, and that's unfamiliar to you, the whole Lord's Supper idea, the whole communion, I want to encourage you to look around. It's kind of weird, but I, I want you to look. And see, because one of the things that we are doing when we take the Lord's Supper, is we are declaring. We're making a declaration as I take it. And the declaration is this, we are not enough. Our only hope is in Jesus. Okay? When I take the Lord's Supper, my declaration is not, wow, how spiritual I am. And uh, you're not taking it? My declaration is simply this, I am not enough. I am not enough. My only hope is in Jesus Christ. That's the declaration. And if we can remember, and the Bible encourages us to take it, it says, until the Lord comes back. Now, you know, some churches will take the Lord's Supper every week. Uh, some even once a day, you might be familiar, familiar with. Uh, uh, some do it quarterly, you know, every three months or so. But, uh, but we have pretty much had as a tradition around here, which I, I've come to love, is once a month. 
Uh, I think it gives us a good, you know, where we're not taking it for granted doing it every week, but we can really focus and be serious about the Lord's Supper. So that's, that's pretty much how we operate around here. But, uh, but basically, you know, just to, to understand that this is something that God has called us together to do. And what we're doing when we do this is declaring, and I want to make that statement again. This is my declaration. I'm not enough on my own. My only hope is in Jesus Christ. As we think about that, as we take the Lord's Supper today, and it says that we are to do it until he comes. We're declaring his death until he comes. Till the day when the faith that we have now becomes what? Sight. Aren't you looking forward to that day? You know, the, the prophecy, uh, it, it, those are get excited about prophecy are firing up again with things going on in the world. And, and Jesus is coming. Hey, I'll be honest with you. I've, I have no prediction about that. I don't know. I've received no dreams or no vision. But what I know is this. We ought to be looking forward to that day when Jesus is coming back. And I am. And I am. And that's what we're doing is, is we're saying, hey, till he comes, we're going to remember his death. Till he comes, we remember that in this earth I need him. Till he comes, I remember that I'm not good enough on my own. Uh, what I need is the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the finished work of him, knowing that he is coming and will set everything right. That's the proclamation that we're making. Now, I'm going to suggest to you today, today, that there's not a bad reason if you decide, um, if you want to make sure you find a cup, if you want to take the Lord's Supper. Uh, I'm going to suggest to you there's not a bad reason to pass on that. There have been times in my life when I've been in church and I thought, you know what, I'm not going to take the Lord's Supper today. I remember a distinct time when it was because I knew there was bitterness in my heart towards somebody else that needed to be made right. Uh, maybe you're not sure even about that you are believing in Jesus Christ. Uh, maybe there is something specifically that you shouldn't, or maybe... Uh, Probably one of the biggest reasons would be mom and dad has said, hey, let's wait. Uh, let's wait. Make sure you understand this. That's something where the kids, they want to have their permission. But, but uh, so I don't want anybody in any way to feel embarrassed at all if others around you go ahead and observe the Lord's Supper and you, and you don't. But I use this phrase. I said, I don't think there's a bad reason today. Because I really want to encourage you that if there is a reason why you're not observing the Lord's Supper today, that before you gather with believers again and they take the Lord's Supper, you make it so that you're ready to take the Lord's Supper. Whether that means repentance, whether that means belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, whether that means, uh, and maybe you have some questions you need to answer. Maybe you want to call me and, and ask me about it. I'm not sure I completely understand that, or you have somebody else you can talk to. But uh, you don't want this to be a continuing thing. I, I see absolutely no shame. Like I said, I, I've sat in church and I've said, you know, today I'm going to pass on the Lord's Supper. But, uh, and there's, there's no shame in that. But I would say, if I did that this time, and then next time, and then next time, and I'm not making any effort to, to, uh, to make things right so that I'm in a position to do that, that could be a problem. So can I encourage you? We have, uh, we have again, just a, a great song in a few minutes after we get done with communion that will just help us. I think it's new to us. So, uh, so you may just be listening to Jeremy uh, sing it some and then play. Uh, but, but look at the words. And it's a great song of meditation to, to go through and think about it. I want to encourage you again. I'm always happy to have a private conversation with you afterwards or sometime this week if that works out well. But, um, but I want you at this point to go ahead. And uh, if you are going to take the Lord's Supper to uh, get a hold of the elements there. Again, if you haven't yet, the little see-through one on top peels, ba peels back and, and brings us to this wafer. And I hope that you'll think... What I'm doing here, I'm looking back to a body in which Jesus lived a perfect life. 
and his atoning death for me that made atonement for my sins so that I can be forgiven, paid the price full. I look in and examine that indeed I do believe in him and I am repenting of my sin, not choosing it over him. I look up to my father and thank him that I can spend this time with him. I look around and thank him for my family in Christ. I look forward and I proclaim that can't do this on my own. Without him, I can do nothing. And, t and I want to proclaim that until the day when Jesus comes back. The scripture says that on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, distributed it to his disciples, and he said, this is my body, which was broken for you. As, as often as you eat it, do it in remembrance. Read after supper, says he took the cup, distributed it among the uh, among the disciples he said you know some some week we'll have to go into a little bit more detail on the, the whole idea of the, this new covenant because he said this this blood is the new covenant okay this is a covenant I'm making with you not a not a contract that could be broken a covenant that is not breakable a covenant that uh, I've sent my son to redeem you and said, trust in him and you have eternal life. It's not a, it's not, it's a lot stronger than a, a contract that you sign. This is a covenant from the almighty God. He said, this cup represents the new covenant. The covenant that relies upon the shed blood of Jesus Christ. His sacrificial death for us. It represents the new covenant in my blood shed for you. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.